All right, we're ready to go? Hopefully now. All right. <clears throat> so we'll quickly we'll quickly rephrase we'll quickly rephrase of what I've been sharing about about the anointing. Um, can everyone remember of what the first principle of the anointing was that I covered? I'm asking the question. No. The, f the, f the first, the first principle that I spoke about, about the anointing. Remember how I spoke about the... Good. So they used to anoint the shield for, to prepare them for war. Remember? And the shield had, the shield had a, an entry point here. It had an entry point here. So when you hold the shield, your heart is exposed. But also when you're in a kneeling posture, you can see where the enemy is firing his attacks from. Remember that, right? So the attitude of prayer, we spoke about that the five foolish virgins, when Jesus came back on his second coming, they had no oil, is because the first principle is because they lacked prayer. Prayer, why was prayer designed? Prayer was designed to see the enemy from far and see the enemy from within. So prayer was designed by God to actually protect you as a believer. So in other words, if you don't inherit the attitude of prayer from day to day, you become, you become a person to be attacked from outside and within your heart. We understood that, yes? Yes, we understood that. The second one was regarding the heart. What was the second principle that I spoke about? If everyone was, what's that? Yes. So when you, with the shield, the whole point of the shield was to keep the devil away. So the greatest fruit and characteristic of what keeps the devil away from your life is the fear of the Lord. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Now James says, whoever lacks wisdom, let him pray and ask God, for he gives you that fault finding all measure. The wisdom that he was speaking about is the fear of the Lord. So let's say the Holy Spirit, um, let's say you pray by the Holy Spirit for wisdom, it's actually the fear of God. And what is the fear of God designed to? To have right and, right and proper worship with God. Meaning to bring order into your life as a believer. Right? So, so <clears throat> the people... The people, the five foolish virgins that had no more oil, they lacked prayer. Yeah? So I have a saying, pray or you become prey. I have a saying, pray or you become prey. And it's true. Because prayer is your connection towards you and God. Prayer wasn't designed to keep the devil away from you. Prayer was designed for you to communion with God. That keeps the devil away from you. 
That's fellowship with him. So watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yes? The second one is the fear of God. Watch and pray was to form the fear of God. So the people that had no oil on Jesus' return, they lacked the fear of God. And I spoke about it in the book of Revelation. Okay? I also spoke about the good and bad. You can't take, you can't take the grace of God and you can't take the judgment of God. They are together. And we need to have the, the two Gospels together. Okay? So watch and pray. Fear of God. The next one is the helmet of salvation. What is that? Jesus Christ is your joy. Not what he gives you. Not he, what he releases upon your life. It's Jesus himself. He is joy. And when you have a relationship with him, the author and finisher of your life, joy naturally comes. What's the fruits of the Spirit? Joy. So what does the love of God produce? Joy. And what is joy? It is your strength. Strength to move forward in times of challenges, in times of hardship, in times of discipline, in times of cooperating with God. Imagine you go through the discipline of God and you have no joy. You have no strength to overcome. So many believers enter that warfare, enter that type of wilderness with no joy. As a result, they don't have strength. And when a person doesn't have strength, or sorry, when a person doesn't have joy, what is formed? Bitterness. You see how it's, it's, you can't make this up. If you don't have joy, you have bitterness. And what chokes the grace of God in the book of Hebrews? Lest any bitter root grows up, defiling the grace of God in your life. And what does bitterness do? It allows you to, be, to complain, to murmur, and be destroyed spiritually. So what does Satan attack? There are two major things that Satan attacks. If you can attack this in your life, your journey will be hard. Joy. So many people, they're not motivated anymore. They don't have that zeal anymore. They don't have that hunger anymore to walk with God. Is because those two components have been stolen from their life. Joy and hope. The true joy that comes from God is designed for what? It sounds like this, that the goodness of God has appeared and it gives you the grace to overcome. What allows you to overcome? The goodness of God. And can you, can you operate with bitterness in this way? You can't stand. So it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. The enemy attacks this, this, this way. Because what actually allows you to change is joy. Joy of what he done at the cross and joy what awaits you at his second coming. So you begin to see having no oil is a procedure. You don't just get there for the sake of getting there. And, and the greatest danger about the five foolish and the five wise, they all started with oil. All of them. 
They all started with oil, but along the process, hardness of heart entered, rebellion entered, and belief entered. And slowly, slowly, these components, these characteristics of God got plucked away from them. I spoke about in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit was given for one major event in the Bible. What is it for? For you to be saved? Greater than that. The Holy Spirit was given to you for the day of Christ. There's one major event in the Bible today that the dead are waiting for and the alive are waiting for. It's what? of the Lord. You begin to think deeply more. I'm not saying, you know, a lot of people say, come Lord, come Lord, they haven't done anything for the Lord. That's a foolish prayer. I, I, I'm not ready for the Lord to come back. I feel like my work has just started. Right? So people say, come Lord, you know, come and get your bride. We're not even ready. But that's my opinion anyways. I haven't done anything for the Lord in the way that he promised me to fulfill. People are still living in sin. People are still living selfish uh, for themselves. People are still living for, for the world. And they're asking Jesus to come. Him delaying is actually a blessing. Believe me. And I, this for me too. Him delaying, it's our, our blessing. He's given us time. They started with days. They said the, the day of the Lord is near. Then he said the hour. In the first, second, third John, they said the hour. Imagine what we are now. We're in the minutes. So the Holy Spirit was given for one major event in your life is what? To be found with oil. You ever think about that? Do you ever think about that day? The day will come, and, and unfortunately, there will be people with no oil. There will be people with oil. You've got to take both of them into consideration. But this draws the attention to you, to you individually. Okay. So who's ready for the next phase of the anointing? So watch and pray, the fear of the Lord, joy, the helmet of salvation is actually joy, the fourth one, what didn't they do, the five foolish, that the five wise did, ready, let's have a look, we go to Matthew 6, Verse 16 to 18. Now this is, so a lot of people ask me, okay, what makes me an effective believer? Or what makes me, what makes me uh, wise in building the right foundation so I can walk with God? Here. Let's have a look. What's that? Fasting. Okay. So everyone knows how to fast, right? Yes. But do you know what has to be taken away when you fast? A lot of people don't know this. So a lot of people know, and they know how big I am on fasting. But do you actually know what needs to be taken away when you fast? This is the key. 
Because imagine you fasting in vain and you don't know what the Holy Spirit needs to deal with inside of you. What have you achieved? You've achieved losing weight. <laughs> it's true. And God, by the grace of God, God being so good, He created fasting in a double portion. Spiritual and physical health. Spiritual health, physical health. It's true. And a lot of people say, oh, you, you know, you look healthy. Look, do you train? Do you oh, fast, my friend. So this is the key. And this is what the Holy Spirit taught me. A lot of people know how to fast. But do you know what needs to be taken away from you? This is where so many people go wrong. But look what it says here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18. <clears throat> Look what fasting is up against. Look what Jesus was up against. Look what all the Bible were up against. They were fasting to overcome something. But I, but I, but I want to hold on to this. That's my security. The world is my security. Money is my comfort. But when I began to fast, I knew exactly where the Holy Spirit was dealing with. I can't let go because how can I, how can I hold something I can't see? How can I trust someone that I can't see? And this is, this is faith. That's faith. That, that, that statement in itself is faith. But that is what, why you fast. Now, put people fast, people fast, and they don't know what God needs to deal with. So I really believe that the five foolish didn't understand the process of God. They didn't understand what God needed to deal with inside of them. My people perish because... They didn't know the process of God. Look, and whenever you are fasting, do not, look, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, or they put on a sad and dismal face like actors, discoloring their faces with ashes or dirt, so that their fasting may be seen by men. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, they already have, have their reward in full. But when you fast, put... Now, this is the ritual they used to do in the New Testament and the Old. They used to, after a walk in the desert, they used to anoint the head with oil. But this is deeper. This is deeper than you think. But when you fast, put oil on your head as you normally would to groom your hair and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by people by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret rewards you Okay, so what type of reward are you looking for? Is it actually a burden for God to take the world away from you? You begin to think deeply inside. The world has done something for me. It gives me a, it gives me, it gives me a sense of a sense of peace that everything's going to be okay. But when you fast, God's taking this from you. 
Are you actually ready to let this go? It's the truth. So God promised you a reward against what? To take the system of wealth and mammon from inside of your kingdom inside here. Do you know that? So many people say, Lord, give me the anointing. Lord, work through me. Are you ready for God to strip these things from you? Because that's what happens as a believer. You know that? Do you actually know what you're praying for? Because if you knew what you were praying for, you would change the direction of your prayer. Lord, prepare my heart so I can give these things up. See, as long as you can see something, you won't kick against the stones anymore. You won't kick against the wall. You won't fight against it anymore. You will naturally hearken to him. You understand that? See, a lot of people fast, but they don't know what God needs to take away. So the next anointing that comes, that the five foolish didn't have, that they fasted, but they fasted for God to take something away or something to be replaced. And what is that? What is that that's replaced from God? The kingdom. God takes the kingdom of the world and puts another kingdom inside of you. And then your journey kickstarts. You know that? You have to ask yourself a deep question. Are you ready for God to take the system of the world away from you? You think you, you speak truth. Are you actually ready to let it go? Because the Holy Spirit showed me, you're not fasting for the sake of fasting. You're fasting for God to take the three components away from you. Sin, the world, and Satan. Because Satan only attacks you from the place of the world. He only lures you with the things of the world. But the Bible says we're seated in heavenly places. The right hand of God, so are we. So Satan can only work with the physical. Every imagination, everything that lures you and tempts you, it's from the world. You know that? So when I fasted and when I prayed, I knew exactly where the Holy Spirit's working. And I had many, many, many traps, many things that were true in my heart that weren't meant to be there. But I was humbly fasting and praying and cooperating with him moment by moment. And everything started to take shape. It really did. If there was something that I've been so effective in, it's prayer and fasting. Why? Why am I so fixated on prayer and fasting? Because God's taking the world away from me. When he takes the world away from me, there's no more limitation between me and him. There is no more wall between me and him. It's an open fellowship. Do you get it? It's very important you know this. Does the flesh like it? Does it? Is it worth it? So much. Because you have true fellowship with God. Because what stands between you and God is your own flesh. 
So a lot of people tell me, and a lot of people have asked me this question, why do you fast and pray so much? Because I know the world needs to be taken away from me. I know. I feel it. There's a wrestle. There's a tug of war. Jesus fasted also later for some other things I will share. But this is the major thing where so many believers don't overcome. A bit of the world, a bit of God, a bit of my own life, it's a good mixture. But it's, it's a deception. It's not the truth. Sadly enough, that's what the Christian world is becoming. It's true, a bit of the world, a bit of God, a bit of my own life. It's a good balance. So I knew, all the time I'm investing in prayer, all the time I'm investing in fasting, it's to do something in me, and it's to birth another kingdom in me my true identity as a believer is to represent Jesus Christ on earth. That's every single person's identity on earth. You know that? But you have the flesh that stands as a barrier. So what can you learn from the five foolish they did not fast? In the Christian world today, is fasting is when you're led by God. I said, my friend, are you led to pray or you, you, you need to pray? He goes, I need to pray. But they're in the same component. When you fast, when you pray, when you give, it's something that cannot be compromised. God is waiting for you to activate it. And I can't see what happened inside of me when I started to fast. Effective. Well, you know what happened? God's kingdom came. Seek and save the lost. The Bible says the one who is wise, he wins souls. The kingdom came. A heart for the people to preach to seek and save the lost. A heart to go and be that bridge for Jesus Christ to walk on. So many people fast. Some people fast to lose weight. Some people fast to for it to be part of their diet. Some people fast because everyone else is fasting. But when you know what the Holy Spirit needs to do inside of you, take out the kingdom of the world out of you. Does that mean you're going to live poor? Does that mean you're going to suffer? No. It means that God becomes your Lord. Jesus becomes your Lord. He gives you what you can handle, not what you want. And that's a place of contentment. If there's something that fasting done effective in me, it birthed something new inside of me. Contentment. All my prayers got abolished because all my prayers was out of the lack of contentment. It's true. And then all... Oh, God, begin to hear. Father, let your will be done in me. My prayer wasn't polluted anymore. My approach to God wasn't false anymore. 
my approach to God was true. If I can say it in this way, that's what fasting produced in me. It moved all the pollution and contamination away from my prayer. Because so much of the flesh is involved in our prayer life. So this is the thing that a lot of people don't know what needs to be taken away. And Jesus, when he fasted in prayer, he dealt with the same thing. Satan bought everything that is of this world. Can we keep reading, if that's okay? So a lot of people tell me, Lord, give me the anointing. My friend, you don't know what you're praying for. Because you're going to be stripped off everything. It's, it's actually stripped from everything. Are you ready? You know what I, when the Holy Spirit said? This long time ago, I didn't respond. I said, Lord Jesus, if I can say one thing to you humbly, prepare me, Lord. <laughs> the only thing I said, I didn't say give me, because that's the flesh. I said, prepare me, Lord. I'm willing, prepare me. And I continued to walk. And he gave me as I opened. As I opened my heart, he gave me. But I learned something. Do I actually know what I'm praying for? Because the greatest anointing brought the greatest persecution. Paul was the most anointed man in the New Testament other than Christ. And he went through the greatest troubles. The greatest challenges, the greatest hardship, the greatest persecution. But for us today, this is where the Holy Spirit's leading us. That when you fast and pray, the Holy Spirit does one major thing inside of you. He takes the system of the world out of you for the kingdom to come. What Christians are doing today, they're, they're walking in the system of this world and they're asking God's kingdom to come inside. Can't come. Can't come. Lord Jesus, I want to serve the world, but I can share with you, I can share your kingdom too. Doesn't come. You will do minimal in God's kingdom like this. He has to destroy that kingdom. Because you can only serve one, or you can only be devoted to one. I love when people hide behind the kingdom. They say, this is for God. You don't know what you're saying. God takes the system of the world out of you. And a lot of people say, okay, when God takes the system out of me, does that mean I'm going to live poor? Does that mean I'm going to suffer and struggle and nothing good's going to come to me? That's the slave mentality.
Uh, can we keep reading on that scripture? Uh, can we go down? Look here. Look, look at the... <laughs> isn't that interesting? That the cure for anxiety is because there is another kingdom inside of you. Look here. Isn't that interesting why Jesus asked you to fast? The next scripture, look what it says. In the next scripture about fasting, look what it says here. Therefore, I tell you, stop being worried or anxious. Now, isn't it interesting what fasting does? Fasting doesn't take, fasting doesn't take, or fasting and prayer doesn't take anxiousness or worry away from you. It takes the root of why you're worrying. Because what's making you worry is fear that I can't provide. The fear that I'm not going to have enough. The fear of it's going to be too hard. So here it says here, therefore I tell you, stop being worried or anxious, virtually uneasy, distracted about your life, as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body as to what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow seed nor reap. They harvest nor gather the crops into the barns. And yet our, your heavenly Father keeps feeding them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you by worrying can add one hour to the length of his life? And why are you worried about clothes? See how the lilies and wildflowers of the field grow. They do not labor nor do they spin wool to make clothing. Yet I say that not even Solomon in all his glory and splendor dressed himself like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive and green today and tomorrow, is cut and thrown as fuel into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry or be anxious, perpetually uneasy, distracted, saying what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear. For the pagan Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. But do not worry, for your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But first and most importantly, seek, aim, and strive after his kingdom and his righteousness his way of doing and being right in the attitude and character of God. And all these things will be given to you also. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Keep going. That's it. Ah. So you begin to see here, what does fasting do? It takes the system of the world. What is the system of the world? Plan, 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 plan. <laughs> I'm not saying to be ignorant in your life. But I'm telling you where the fear is and the anxiousness is. That's the system. And when someone is anxious and worried, what happens? He's overworked. His time is invested in everything other than God. Yes? True. See, the system costs you something, your time. You have to know that. So when you fast, 
God breaks that system. But, but that's, it's good for me. It gives me a sense of security. It gives me a sense of comfort that everything's going to be all right. Nothing in this world can compare to God our Father. Nothing. There's nothing more valuable than serving Him. Let your worship be true to Him. Let your worship be true to Him. I shared about all the experiences. I had no work for two years. I went in the room for four or five hours, maybe longer, and I worshipped the Lord. Bills, mortgages, everything coming out of the roof. And this work came to me. <clears throat> this work came to me. i never forget that day. The work came to me, worked for probably five to six years, turning over in between half a mil to a million a year. Oh, Jesus. And someone in the natural would think this is an answered prayer, but it was a distraction from Satan because it, it desired me to be there every day. And every person is different, don't get me wrong. This is where I am now in the Lord. And I fasted 10 days and I prayed. I said, Lord, if this is from you, show me. If it's not from you, I will not step because I learned that every step is ordained by the Lord. And on the 10th day, I heard a clear voice. No. And I said, thank you, Lord. And then after that, God answered me in, a, in an amazing way. But someone so... I always think, what's the greatest way you can honor the Holy Spirit on earth? And you know what it is? Hear His voice. The greatest way you can honor the Holy Spirit that's inside of you is how to rely on His voice. Lord Jesus, if it's from you, let it stay. If it's not from you, take it away. You're deceiving yourself. That's, a, that's just a prayer that you want to keep everything. You know how many times I heard that? What brought you to that place? What allowed you to pray that prayer? What is dictating and governing your life? This is how I understood how to treat the Holy Spirit. It's a voice. And you may not be there, and I'm not looking it down at you, but this is how you are to treat the Holy Spirit. Most of the fleshly prayers, God doesn't answer anyways. So I don't even go down that path anymore. I pray in the way God wants me to pray. And as he speaks or he wants to bless me or he wants to show me something, he will show me. He will make it clear to you when God wants to bless you. It will be clear to you. God, make no mistake, God will not let you be confused in your decisions. Because your decision can cost your spiritual anointing. And what's the spiritual anointing? To keep moving forward part of the process. To keep moving you forward into your destination. That is, that is what oil is. Is to continue your process on that destination. Lord Jesus, if it's from you, keep it. If it's not from you, take it away. They say it's so quick so they can't hear anything else. 
fill you with the Holy Spirit, a person, person. The Holy Spirit, a person. It's God inside of you. And I learned from this, okay, if it's God inside of me, be very careful not to be rushed into any decisions. Patience is a major key in hearing from God. Satan works the opposite way, intimidation. Quickly, you've got to make a decision. Quickly, this may be your breakthrough. Quickly, he forces you into things that are uh, rushed. Imagine that, having no... Just think about this. Imagine having no money for two years, no income, and this project comes. And something inside of me knew that I have to seek God. I knew deep down that something's not right. And I can't tell you, if my time was taken away from God, then my devotion would have slowly, slowly dimmed down. And what God's called me to do would have been uh, backflipped. So I knew something. If God's gonna, if God, when I'm gonna fast, am I gonna go back into the world and enslave myself again, or am I gonna move now to maturity? I'm sitting in heavenly places now. I'm an ambassador of Christ. You're an ambassador of Christ. You may not know this now, but that's who God says you are. You're called to seek and save the lost. You're called to preach the gospel. You're called to bring repentance to people, operating signs and wonders. That's who you actually are. Whether you like to hear or not, that's who you are. But you have one system to, get, to be taken out of you. Many people don't want to let go of that. Lord, give me the anointing. Some people want to get oil and anoint people. My friend, do you know what you're doing? You have another system to be taken out of you before anything comes inside of you. Do you know that? You have death to come to you before another system of God comes inside of you. Where the anointing is, where the power is, where salvation is, where glorifying Jesus on earth is. So I began to understand something, that the anointing is for the mature. And what is the mature? Paul says the mature they have discerned, for they have trained themselves to discern both good and evil. What is evil? The system of the world. That's evil. You make yourself an enemy when you make a friend to who? The world. And it's true. I don't get my blessings from the world anymore. Jesus speaks to me, and they come. I learned that now. I can't tell you how many dreams I had, me and my wife, about what's coming to me now. But I waited diligently and patient. And God, at the right time, blessed me in what I can handle. 
So let's go to First John chapter 2, verse 12 to 21. Oh, actually, sorry. Can we go to Luke chapter 4, verse 1 to 14? I'll show you a mystery here. Everyone has been baptized in the Holy Spirit here, yeah. Yes? Everyone here has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Yes? Look how the Holy Spirit is turned into dunamis power. I'll show you. Now pay attention here. This is the anointing right here. So everyone has the Holy Spirit in them, but through the crushing of the world, through the crushing of sin, through the crushing of Satan, the anointing is birthed. Okay? So what you're willing to let go of determines how the anointing flows through you. Look here. Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember this. Remember this first sentence. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, who led him to be tempted by Satan? Holy Spirit. So what does the Holy Spirit do to your life? He leads you to where? To deal with the world, to deal with sin, and to deal with Satan. Because Satan brings those two, the world and sin, to you. So many people do not get do not get, how can I say it? Most of the Christians do not get promoted into the next process of God's calling because they don't want to let go of the world. A lot of people tell me when they fast, thank God it's over. Everything in me was going haywire. I said, my friend, that's what's inside. That's, that's what's truly inside of you. But I learned when I fast to hear my spirit, to hear what I, what I truly am, and I allow the Holy Spirit to come and transform me. I got to hear what I truly am, and it's okay. There were many things the Holy Spirit had to deal with me inside, but I was willing. I knew who to go to to get washed. But I learned one major thing that God is interested. God is near all who call upon him in who? In the truth. He wants truth. The moment you try to cover up through pride, you're in trouble. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing, and afterwards, when, he, when they had end, ended, he was hungry. So he was fasting for 40 days. Next one. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Now, can I just stop you there? That word there showed him it's like a universe. Your eye can never see the end. So when Satan shows you the world, when Satan shows you the lust of the world and the pride of life, you will never be content. You understand that? 
So you say, I'll be happy when I paid off, uh, got three, four houses and I, and I have this car and I'm content with all these things my children have set up. He says, the universe, you, you cannot see the end. So it's a deception. Then the devil taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me and I'll give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered him, answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. He tried to make Jesus commit suicide. For it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Then Jesus returned in power. He started being filled. He ended with power. What was he doing? Fasting to for the well to be taken away. Make no mistake. Are you actually ready to let go of the world? This is a question that I ask you. Are you ready to let go of your system before Jesus can take a hold of you? Because the Holy Spirit can't come into the system of the world. That's why the first, that's why the first encounter you have with the Holy Spirit is what? He will convict the world of all their sin. He has to take that system away from you for his system can, to be birthed in you. Do you get it? So what, what allowed the power to begin to work? That word there, I'll read it to you. That word power. <clears throat> okay, let's have a quickly look at this. The, in the beginning I said he began full of the Holy Spirit. That word is play race. Means to be covered and complete in every part. The second one is dunamis. The second word is dunamis. Dunamis means physical excellence, moral excellence, spiritual excellence. So when you have overcome the world and its temptation through the devil, what's birthed out of you through fasting? Physical excellence. What's the physical excellence? To offer your bodies as living sacrifices to God. That's your right and true and proper worship. The second one is the moral excellence. Titus chapter 2, verse 6 to 7.
In a similar way, urge the young men to be sensible and self-controlled and to behave wisely, taking life seriously. And in all things, show yourself to be an example of good works with purity in doctrine, having the strictest regard for integrity and truth, dignified. Now the third one is spiritual excellence. This is dunamis. This is the word dunamis. This is what it means. So when you're fasting, this is what's birthed. A lot of people think it's the power to heal, cast out demons and heal the sick and whatnot. It's deeper than that. It's to produce God's character in you. The second one, uh, sorry, the third one is Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. Look what his power, look what his true power that is of the Holy Spirit is truly birthed in you. Look, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What is, what is the true power that's given by God to destroy lust? The lust for the world. The lust for sin. You see? The people say, Lord Jesus, use me. Let the anointing come, my friend. There's a lot of things that he's going to take away from you. Are you ready to let go of it? Because that's who you truly are. You were truly called to not be partakers of this world. Peter says that we are sojourners. To be a sojourner means to never pitch a tent into the system of the world. Jesus is your Lord. Not the system of the world. You've been called for something greater. But all your life you trained yourself like this. All your life your family and your parents tell you, get a good job, have a good future. Where's Jesus Christ in this? He's your Lord. They're not your Lord anymore. He's your Lord. Meaning, He steers and controls you. Not you anymore, not your family. Not anything else other than the Holy Spirit. And you may not be there, but are you working towards this place? Are you steering in the right direction? Because I didn't start like this. But I cooperated. So there are people that are rich in the Bible. But let me tell you something. There's so much order regarding those people in the scriptures. They are people with money in the Bible. Yes. But what happens first? When you first come to Christ, what happens first? Physical blessings or spiritual blessings? Spiritual death. So when anything does come, it doesn't come into the old nature. It comes into a new man of Christ. You use it to glorify God. You use it to bless people that are suffering, struggling, poor. It will come. 
Does God give physical blessings first? No. Because James says, you ask, you ask amiss because you want to spend it on your own riches. So most of the receiving in the book of James is because they haven't died yet and they're asking God to bless them. And they're asking God to reward them. And it didn't come. He goes, because their hearts haven't been changed. So what's the first blessing of when the Holy Spirit encounters your life? Bring order inside of you. Are you willing? I want all my problems to be fixed. I can't wait anymore. The order will fix all your problems. When there is order from God, you won't be out of order anymore in any way. So when Jesus fasted, being filled with the Holy Spirit, what was birthed in him in that fast? Physical excellence, moral excellence, spiritual excellence. Dunamis power means to give you strength, the power and the ability to change. And what was Jesus doing? Fasting and praying. You see this gift that we have? It's not a religious act. It's actually doing something inside of you. And many people are growing. The majority of the people here are cooperating with the Holy Spirit. But there is so much more. How you give to Him determines where you go. Dunamis power also means the power and the influence which belongs to riches and wealth. What is He speaking about? The kingdom of God. The riches that are in the kingdom. The last one, power consisting in our resting upon armies, forces and hosts. You have the whole of heaven rep representing you and fighting for you. That's how much authority you have now in Christ. And you want to get, you want to hold on to this world? You want to hold on to this world still? You have the whole, whole of heaven watching you, ready to hearken to the voice of God. We are not part of this world. Yes, we have jobs. Yes, people have mortgages. Yes, there are so many responsibilities, but is God's kingdom first? Because Jesus said, go after the kingdom. Don't go after anything else. So what did the people, the five foolish did? They didn't fast. And as a result, they couldn't, the world and the system of the world couldn't be taken away. What was fasting designed for? You cannot pour new wine into old wineskins. Make no mistake, read scripture in context. So the one who doesn't fast is telling God that I want to keep the system. If you want to say it in that way, that's how it sounds. The one who doesn't fast says, I want to hold on to this system. I'm so uncomfortable. My friend, it's because your hand's been all over the world. So I'm telling you from experience what the Lord done for me. Why? Because God's word is true. But I obeyed. And 
from where I started to where I am now, it was a process. But let me tell you something, it was a good process. Because I got to see where my security was. I got to see where my trust was. I got to see where my hope was. And to hold on to something that I can't see, that's faith. That's trust that God is looking for. And that's the, the absence of any form of anxiousness or worry or fear. It's true. Remember, I came out of bankruptcy. I came out of poverty. So I know what it feels to be there. But I tell you something, there is nothing greater than knowing that God, my Father, has me. He knows what I can handle. You don't know what you can handle. He knows what you can handle. And that's why I need to be content. I'll finish up with this scripture. First John chapter 2, verse 12 to 21. Okay, let's read it together. <clears throat> I am writing to you, little children, believers, dear ones, because your sins have been forgiven for his name's sake. What's the first encounter you have with the Lord? Is to know that you've been forgiven. Is to know that he remembers your sins no more. He's in that scripture, in the beginning, he's restoring your identity. He's crushing Satan right there. Any form of condemnation, guilt and unworthiness. You're forgiven from Jesus. Amen. You have been pardoned and released from spiritual debt through his name because you have confessed his name, believing him as Savior. I'm writing to you fathers, those believers who are spiritually mature. Now I'm speaking the second stage now. Because you know him who has existed from the beginning, I'm writing to you young men, those believers who are growing in spiritual maturity because you have been victorious and have overcome the evil one. Now, what does it mean to overcome the evil one? When you overcome the world, overcome sin. I have written to you children, those who are new believers, those spiritually immature, because you have come to know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has existed from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and vigorous, and the word of God remains always in you. You have been victorious over the evil one by accepting Jesus as Savior. Now look what he says straight away. Look what it means to overcome the world, overcome sin, and what the devil brings to you. Do not love the world of sin that opposes God and his precepts, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world the lust and the sensual craving of the flesh and the lust and longing of the eyes and the boastful pride of life 
pretentious confidence in one's resources or in the stability of earthly things. Now that word always gets me. Stability. That's how you can see where the enemy is working. How many people today want stability? You're not going to get it from God. You're going to get trust from Him. There's a difference between stability and trust. That's faith. Your stability, your stability has a lot to do with your future. Yes? God says, don't worry, don't go there. You're not meant to be going there. Trust has for the present day. You begin to see, well, I, I can't live like this. That, that demands my whole life. Yeah, that's what Jesus calls you to let go of. Because believe me, you holding on to all your life, you're restricting him from moving you forward. The flesh and the lust and longing of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. Pretentious confidence in one resources or in the stability of earthly things. Now let me tell you something. Whenever God has blessed me, he spoke to me before it came. I never chased anything other than God speaking to me in the right time. This is how I know that I've been in line with any blessing that's come up, come to me by the Holy Spirit. These, these do not come from the Father, but are from the world. The world is passing away with its lust, the shameful pursuits and ungodly longings, but the one who does the will of God and carries out his purpose lives forever. Children, it is the last hour, the end of this age. And just as you heard that the Antichrist is coming, hang on a second, now he's talking about the Antichrist. How does the Antichrist come? You can have, a, you can have the world. You can have a bit of sin. You know? You don't, you, don't, you don't have to reject that. You don't have to reject the world. You don't have to reject sin. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. Keeps you comfortable in the place of not changing. How does the Antichrist come? He brings leaders that do serve the world. That still haven't overcome sin. He brings leaders like this to take the platform. Whenever you hear this anywhere, run for your life. Believe me. Because Jesus came to destroy all the works of the devil. He came for this purpose. Now look here. The one will oppose Christ and attempt to replace him. Even now, many antichrist false teachers have appeared, which confirms our belief that it is the last hour. They went out from us, seeming at first to be Christians, but they were not really of us. Isn't that interesting how you can see who is a true Christian? And I take this upon myself before looking at anyone else. Seeming at first to be Christians, but they were really not of us because they were not truly born again and spiritually transformed. Now, isn't that a statement there? That you can be born again but not transformed. 
Do you know what it means to receive Christ? Do you know what it means to be transformed? God has to take that wisdom from you. That's why so many believers don't hear the Holy Spirit. I say it how I say it. It's because they still want to hold on to the kingdom of this world. And they want to bring God's kingdom into this. You're bringing God's kingdom into an idol. John tells you, keep away from idols. The Holy Spirit wants to speak, but the first voice you are going to hear for a long time if you don't change is conviction. And some people, they live with that until they die. But we are not to be like this. This is who we are. You need to know this is who we are. It's the truth. This is who we are. You were called to overcome. What overcomes the world? Our faith. What is true faith? Overcoming the world. What is the true meaning of faith? Paul says that our faith is what overcomes the world. Faith by itself means nothing. But faith was designed by God to overcome. <clears throat> but you have the anointing. Hang on a second. You have the anointing to do what? To take the world away from you. So when you fast, the anointing is produced to do what? To take the world away from you. And what does it mean for God to take the world away from you? It means you live by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, by his word. That's what it means. It means now you live by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, by his word. Heaven and earth pass away, my words will not. But I can tell you something, let go. Because it's the only truth. There's no other truth. It's his truth. And believe me, open your hearts. Don't live your life for yourself. Open your hearts. But you have the anointing from the Holy One. You have been set apart, specially gifted and prepared by the Holy Spirit. You must see yourself. Every person is like this. And all of you know the truth because He teaches us, illuminates our minds and guards us from error. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie, nothing false, no deception is of the truth. Now I'll close up with this. The Holy Spirit shared with me something so powerful last week, and I'll share it with you. The Holy Spirit asked me last week, what was Jesus' greatest investment on earth? Can I have a microphone quickly? If you can, whoever wants to put their hand up. Just, just a one word statement. What was Jesus' greatest investment on earth? What's that, sorry? What was Jesus' greatest investment before he left this earth? I'll take two responses. David here. Take your time, David, yeah? 
to serve. To serve? I'll take one more response. Is it us? Like humans? People? You came far. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? yeah no? You're along the lines. Right, okay. Well, I'll, I'll take that. Thank yeah, you. you're along the lines. You can take that one. So it was only two. All right, I can't come. Okay. The truth? Yeah, the truth. Okay. Okay, so you're probably the, both of you similar, touching, to serve, yes, it's a mixture, but I'll share the greatest investment the Holy Spirit showed me. Jesus invested his time in what she said, in people, but it was for one major thing. And you want to hear? I always had this nagging question for many years, but I didn't bring it up to the Lord anymore. I just walked and he spoke to me last week. You know what he said to me? He said, my work before I died was done. Because the cross was for salvation. But Jesus coming on earth was for one reason. And you know what that was? I'll share it with you. He said, my work before the cross was done. Meaning his task on earth with people. You know what it was? The man that carried his cross and helped Jesus to the crucifixion. You know what he showed me? That the man that carried his cross was his investment of what he really put in people, was to carry their cross and to follow him. Jesus' greatest investment on earth was to reduplicate himself. And he did it. I always had that nagging question in me, why did that man help him carry that cross? And for many years, wondered in my heart, Lord, are you going to show me this revelation? And he spoke to me last week. He said, my work before the cross was done in man. The cross was salvation. But his task was done on the way to the cross. He duplicated himself. He showed man what it's all about. Not for your names to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but on earth to carry a cross and follow him. Isn't that powerful? But look why Jesus came on earth. He invested in what? Duplicate himself. And all the people that he duplicated in, they died for their faith. So thank you, Jesus Christ, for this truth. But the Holy Spirit is real. And he's willing to teach us if we are willing to allow him to help us to take the world out of us. Remember, he is our help. He is our counselor. And when you fast and when you pray, this takes place naturally. Naturally, it takes place. So Jesus' true work was to birth what? For the names to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, to heal everyone, though that's the cross. He invested in one major principle, Whoever wants to follow me must deny himself, pick up his cross, follow me. So think about it. Think about it in your heart. Think about it. This is your life. It's not about this message. It's not about a good message. It's your life. Think about it. Am I really hearkening to the call of God?
am I really willing to go to the end for him? Because that's who you truly are. That's who you are. It's not only for me, it's for every person here. So Jesus' greatest investment was what? Spiritual death. Denied himself from the world. Don't live for themselves anymore. Don't serve sin, but to walk as Christ walked. Amen? Bless you all. And thank God that the Holy Spirit's in control, willing to teach us so we can move forward more and more in the truth. And like I said before, the teachings were going to get harder and harder for the one who wants to hold on to the world. The one who wants to hold on to the world, this place, this teaching will become harder and harder for you. I just tell you. But I'm willing to work with you and God will meet you where you are. If I can say those two things, it's true. He will meet you where you are because I started the same way as any person did. But it's the truth. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. I won't be praying for anyone tonight. I say that and 50 people... <laughs>